everyone. My name is Maria Thomas, and I work for Allianz Research, the global team of economists, strategists, sector advisors, and foresight experts of the Allianz Group, led by Ludovic Subron. Welcome to Tomorrow, a podcast where we'll be talking about our latest analyses of economic and capital market developments, as well as our views on trends affecting risk management. Let's get started. we invest to reduce biodiversity loss? In this episode with Arne Holzhausen, Head of Wealth Insurance and Trend Research, and Marcus Zimmer, Senior Economist for ESG, we learn about how they calculate the cost of biodiversity loss and compare the measures to abate it in Europe. Hello, Marcus and Arne. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Maria. Thanks for having me. Hello, Maria. So as you write in your report, measuring biodiversity loss is a big challenge. How did you do it? Yeah, indeed, it's very, very complicated. And it's much more difficult than, say, for example, to measure and to uh, analyze climate change. But climate change, you know what is the devil. The devil is the temperature, the rise in temperatures. And then you know also what is the main cause for this rise in temperature. This is the emissions of greenhouse gases. So you have to combat the, or you have to reduce greenhouse gas emissions. It's a very clear and very understandable concept. With biodiversity, it's much more complex because it has so many services, ecosystem services, that provides a necessary uh, input for our life, for our activities, be it air quality, water quality, soil quality, pollination, uh, ventilation, name it. There are so many complex services that depend on our functioning environment that is hard to pinpoint or to really analyze and to put a number to one of these or to the complex and to the whole web of these services. So that's the reason why we decided in the beginning, well, we should focus, we should have a really sharp focus and we just picked one of the services of our ecosystem services and that's pollination and tried to the impact of pollination. Why pollination? Because we have a lot of data and there's a clear causal chain that you know that with the pollination, this is good for agriculture, this is good for crop yields, and you have in the past witnesses and observed that a loss of pollinators, say less bees, for example, a reduction in the number of bees in a certain area that has an impact on crop yields. So that is something with bold assumption, I have to admit, you can then scale and come up with some yeah, decent and reliable numbers of the general impacts of a loss of, say, 10%, 50% coordination in a certain region. So that's what we did. Okay, so what did your results reveal? Yeah, so um, this is, I, I mean, also adding to, to, to the previous point, we really tried to uh, use the, the learnings that we had from climate change and to apply that to biodiversity and uh, really had to understand that this is not so easily done as, as you would want it. And uh, it, it's simply more complex and you have to take more care of regional specificities and uh, also uh, take more care um, about the different measures, uh, how you address the issue. And uh, trying to, to get into that uh, with the pollination services, 
um, you have an effect on, uh, you have the largest effect on a specific sector first, which is the agricultural sector. And uh, already these effects vary widely in the set of countries uh, that, that we did analyze. So um, for the agricultural sector output, uh, the impacts that we observed were something between 2% in the UK, for example, and eight, around 8% in Belgium for a 100% pollination loss um, scenario. And uh, these effects then, of course, do not only stay within the agricultural sector. So you have multiple interactions between the sectors and also between the countries and between the uh, different resources that you use within uh, the economy. So you have a reallocation of, uh, of investments, uh, also of, of labor, also of who uses the land. Uh, if you cannot use, productively use the land for agricultural uh, for agriculture anymore, you, you might want to use it, uh, for some other industry. Um, so in the end, you then have effects also over pricing imports and exports, uh, and, and you, you arrive to effects on the total economy that, that lay in our analysis below, uh, half a percent of GDP on the economies, uh, that, that we looked at. Um, so that's the, the general ballpoint that we could try to quantify for this very uh, limited case of the pollination loss looking on the impact through the agricultural production losses that we have. Of course, there is much more than uh, attached to pollination. There might be second order effect effects through other ecosystem services uh, that, for example, um, genetic varieties are an important provider uh, of, uh, uh, for example, health. Um, this is something we, we do not yet cover in, in the assessments that we have, but uh, of course the idea is, is to expand uh, the scope and the scale of the analysis uh, to further uh, sectors for the ecosystem services, for the natural capital stocks that you might be interested in, and uh, for the regions as well. So in the follow-up to the first report, you looked at the investment that's required to prevent pollination services loss, right? Can you tell us about the options available? So um, in, in the current report, uh, we, we tried not only to assess the risks, as many do. So uh, a lot of the previous work uh, has been focusing on, on trying to get a qualitative uh, indication of what the risks are. And then saying something like um, so much, so much of, uh, I don't know, 20% of uh, the economy is exposed to uh, some risk from biodiversity loss or uh, 60% in this specific sector is uh, exposed to uh, some form of severely exposed to biodiversity loss. But then we don't know 
what that means to be exposed to how much uh, is that uh, apparently in quantity. And if you don't know the, the concrete losses that you might fa face, it's hard to do some kind of sensible cost-benefit analysis in uh, trying to implement abatement measures to avoid these biodiversity losses. So also the, the, the previous, um, in the previous analysis, you have this, this disconnect between uh, the risk assessment and the uh, potential losses that you face and uh, what you can do against it. So there is an analysis on, on, on what can we do to, pro, pro, uh, to improve uh, on biodiversity to prevent losses, but it's not really matched in, in saying, okay, I have limited resources available. Uh, I might want to use uh, these limited resources in an efficient way that has a hopefully big effect uh, because also we have this urgency, we have these targets by uh, 2030 to stop biodiversity loss, to protect protect 30% of land area and also of uh, sea area. Um, this is a very tight timeline. So we, we must not only think about uh, limited resources in the sense of uh, how much budget do we have available, but also of how much time do we have available. So it's very important now to quickly go into uh, into nature positive action, so really do nature positive investments in things that actually have an impact and make make an impact and make a change. So you really want to have some idea of of what is the the losses that you can the, the quantitative real losses that you can prevent uh, for which costs on the abatement side, and this is. Um, I see that as a start to a journey. So uh, we, we identified some uh, procedures, how you can provide a bit of a ranking. Uh, what we learn is there is a huge regional differentiation in, in what you can do and what you should do. Why, why is that? Why is the investment needed higher in some countries than others? So there's a... Yeah, there's a broad range of reasons for that. As uh, as everything in biodiversity, uh, it, it quickly gets uh, very complex. Um, so um, the, from the cost side or from the from the impact side that you may face from the loss side, you uh, already have different, simply different crops uh, that are grown in different regions, and already uh, different crop, different types of crops are very differently affected by uh, pollination loss. And uh, this holds true for um, for all uh, the, the biodiversity uh, losses, the ecosystem services, that it's regionally very differentiated on a very small, not, I mean, basically you would have to go down much, much further than the country level to see what is the local impacts that you face uh, because uh, they, they are very dependent on the very local structure on your system. And uh, the next part is they are also very dependent on the current level of stress that a, a local ecosystem faces uh, and also on the current level of uh, options of uh, actions that you're already taking 
at the local level. So uh, if you're already implementing some part, so the, you most often have some low-hanging low fruits that you start off, but if you're already active in preventing biodiversity loss, you, you must upgrade to more uh, expensive measures to have uh, a larger impact. So uh, from, from a pure investment uh, perspective, um, if you're in a in an area that is already stressed, you're probably already taking measures that makes it more expensive to take additional measures. Okay, so in this context, how should policymakers decide what to do? I think the most important message from our report is that there are already a few measures farmers will take out of own interest because they are uh, really self uh, in, uh, self-financing in a sense that the benefits from these measures are much bigger, bigger than the cost of these measures. So it's in their own interest, in the self-interest of farmers to do that kind of measure. So there's no need for policymakers to intervene. The other big messages, these are only a few measures. So there are a lot of measures that are probably beyond the own interest of farmers, that are more expensive to conduct, and farmers will not do it if they are left on their own devices. So and from a more broader view, from a social point of view, so that might be that investments and measures to protect pollination might come out at a suboptimal level. This is then for us a clear second message that you have to intervene here, that you have to give incentives, that you have to coordinate, that you have to nudge farmers to do more on the protection of pollination service because otherwise we would end with only suboptimal levels of protective abatement measures. And this is clearly something policymakers should take at heart and try harder to, to put these incentives into place because otherwise from a, if, if you just think on, on a very narrow economic lens, we might not do enough to protect our biodiversity. Thank you, Arno and Marcus. Thank you. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the full report we just spoke about on our website. We'll leave a link in the show notes. If you'd like to discover more of our research, you can also follow the Ludonomics newsletter on LinkedIn. We'll leave a link down below for that too. If you like the podcast, please send it to any of your friends who might like it too, and leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. In the meantime, stay tuned for the next episode.